0: Well, again, we are glad you are with us here today. Um, Some have been saying, well, I've been practicing for long enough, a year at two times every Sunday, Um, they expect good things. Um, I just keep saying I'm practicing and someday I'll learn how to preach. And uh, God just continues to be faithful and we have been going through a series um, if you're, this is the first time you're with us in a while, or if you've been watching hopefully online with us. But we've been going through a series called Easter People. And we've been looking at the story specifically in John chapter 20 um, and, and looking at the individuals in how they deal with the resurrection story, that the not all are the same. And so we have kind of hoping to, to catch a glimpse and a, and a focus of how we can be the very people of Easter. That it's, not, it's, it's our story as well. And one of the interesting things, um, I don't know if you noticed, but this past week, April Fool's Day. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I start seeing headlines on April Fool's Day, and I start to question things. You know, there were sports announcements, retirements, and hirings, and all these things, and my daughter's texting me, you know, all this, and I'm like, wait a minute, it's April Fool's. Surely, you know, Roy Williams isn't stepping down on April Fool's Day, and surely the coach from Texas Tech isn't leaving this... program that he's built up to go to Texas and all these other things. And and we've started to wonder, because things po- pop up on Facebook and other places on the internet, and you're like, we've gotten to the point where we start to question what we see. And hopefully we question better than we used to, but um, i become skeptical at times. I don't know about you, but we live in a time when... Information is more readily available at the touch of a finger than we've ever been in history. And, and we encounter people, and they start telling stories, and they start spouting facts, and you're like, mm. and you get the Cliff Clavens of the world starting to talk about Florida and Ponce de Leon, and you start going, hey, Google, is this true? And then you kind of turn around. And it used to be, well, I'd go home, and, and you'd probably forget about it by the time you start to look about it. But now it's, it's immediate, and, and the skepticism has gotten higher. And so here we are. It's an appropriate way to approach a conversation about Thomas. Think about it. John 20. Jesus has risen. Mary and Martha have, have gone. They've experienced Jesus, and they were sent to the disciples, and they go, and the disciples are like, ah, eh. and Peter and John run, and they experience Christ, and then they, they run back, and, and they're sitting in the room on a, on a Sabbath day, the, on a Sunday, and they're sitting in this upper room, and Jesus enters into the locked room And they encounter Christ. And he declares, like we talked about two weeks ago, he he doesn't say, where were you when I was on the cross? He doesn't say, where were you and why did you and these all things. He, He comes and says, peace be to you. And they're left there. And yet, it says... That Thomas, in the next thing, you, you think all the disciples are there, and then the next verse it says, but Thomas wasn't there. And so they, they, we encounter him, and, it, and, and it's famously come, he's not just Thomas, he's always doubting Thomas. Thomas wasn't there, and here he is. He's he's wrapped up in all these emotions. He just saw the man that he followed for three years and lived with and learned under and saw miracles, and he had all these beliefs in his head and in his heart, and all of a sudden, Jesus is dead. And in all these emotions that were going on, he wonders, and they come and say, Jesus is alive. We've seen him. And all of a sudden he goes, it's not so much that he said, well, I kind of wonder. It says, no, I will not believe unless I do this. And so forevermore, it's doubting Thomas. Because of one moment. And you ever wonder, what it, why, why pick that moment, his worst moment, versus one of his better moments? He could be known as Thomas the Honest. John 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples. of you, you can put it into your own imagination. Maybe they're around a fire. They're sitting talking and different things. And Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, not long I'm going to leave this world. And he starts describing things and talking to them and he's going to go to heaven. And all the disciples are like, wow. Mm-hmm. 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 And Thomas goes, um, Jesus, I don't get it. You you you, Master, you have we have no idea what you're really talking about. You, you, I don't know how, we don't know how to get where you're going. Can you give us a map? He could be Thomas the Honest. I mean, he, he was honest with where he was. He could be Thomas the Brave. Toward the very end, going into uh, his final days, Jesus finds out that Lazarus is dead. Jesus finds out his best friend is dying and, and is now dead. And Jesus says, okay, guys, we're going to go. And it's just outside Jerusalem where Bethany is and, and where he's going to encounter these people and his, and his friends that he considers like family. And all the disciples go, um, Jesus, about that. You, you know those guys down there, they're trying to kill you. And if they kill you, they're going to kill us. So how about we just send a card? And Thomas declares, let's all go that we may die with him. But he's not remembered for that. He's not remembered for his honesty. He's not remembered for his bravery. No, we pick the one moment where he blew it. We don't call Peter the denier. We just call him Apostle or St. Peter. But Thomas gets labeled. And we choose to remember him forever forever that moment because, have you you thought about this? The other disciples had already experienced what Thomas is asking for in that moment. He's not asking for anything different. They'd already experienced him. They'd already seen the, the nails. They'd already seen the pierced side. He'd already eaten fish with them. And he's just asking for the same thing that they had already had. In the midst of this loss, in the midst of the emotions of God, where were you? Have you ever noticed that God has a tendency to zig when you think he should zag? Thomas is feeling this. He he thought, well, I know Jesus is the Messiah, we've already talked about this, that all these things are going to happen, and now it's not happened, and I, you know, and all of a sudden you're coming and telling me this? It's easy for us to admit that sometimes God does things when we don't quite think they would go that way. And here, Thomas, in those moments, you know, if we're honest and we've tried to be brave and we've kind of feel left out, left to hang because we didn't quite understand the way it was or way it came out and we left wondering why and then all of a sudden the crisis happens and you have to admit there are times where there's moments where you question, God, where did I miss the road sign? This is one of those moments. And as we look at this story, We understand that Thomas, he he could have believed, he could have said, wow, he could have trusted his friends for what they said, but, you know, we don't know why he wasn't there, but he wasn't. Maybe he was out on a coffee run. Yeah, he got stuck in the drive-in, you know, the mule in front of him broke down, I don't know. Car jam on, on the highway. But he wasn't there. And so, Thomas, in this moment where he's confronted by his friends, the people that he's gone through life with, in the midst of all these emotions and all this, he, he doesn't say, Woohoo! He says, I've seen enough. I've had enough. I'm just not there. Here I was. I was willing to give my life for Christ. And I've been honest, and I've been brave, and I've been vulnerable. And now he's been gone, and, and I'm not sure that I can go there right now. I'm not sure I'm with you. And so he doubted. And my hope is, is that as we go through these verses, through the rest of that chapter in 24, Chapter 20, that what I want us to understand, both, both for the church and for those that at times struggle, is that there is hope for the skeptic. That there is hope for us, for the person who at times feels doubt or, or a little hesitancy in your heart that things are going to be okay when everything's going nuts. When there's chaos, when there's turmoil, when there's questions. Because we've all had moments where it, it felt like a test. And we ask questions, at least to ourselves, if not to maybe our best friends, is really, is, is things going to be okay? Is God really going to provide in the way I would hope He would? but I've experienced some things and I questioned some things and, you know, all of a sudden I get in this fog of doubt and we cry out, God, I've been brave. God, I've been honest. And now you're not, I, I just don't see it. And so as we look at Thomas's journey, we notice that it starts with absence and unbelief. And I, and I believe they fuel one another. The farther and longer we are in absence the greater that absence is more unbelief happens that that we start to question things verse 24 tells us the disciples were gathered on Sunday and Thomas wasn't there He wasn't there to be with his friends who were going through the same things. He wasn't there to to be encouraged and to pray and to be alongside others that would build him up in the midst of things and hold him in and, and hold him tight. And we don't know why, but he wasn't there. And so in the midst of this crazy moment, when everything that he's known is thrown into total chaos, this was not the time for him to be gone. This was not the time for him to be on his own. It wasn't the time to be reclusive and and pull back from others. And so as a result of his absence, it's easier to give in to the unbelief. That's why Hebrews 10 Verses 30, 23 through 25 says, It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you're feeling abandoned, And Thomas did the exact opposite of what he should have done. He should have taken his pain. He should have taken these feelings of abandonment and and his feelings of why is God doing it this way? I thought we had this all figured out. And he should have brought that into his gathering with his friends. He should have been there with those things, those very questions, a place where he could work through things. We, we tend to, to list the church as, as this, this thing, but we, we need to understand that the church is not where people come to have their halos polished. The church is where we come to encounter God's presence, even in the midst of confusion and doubt. The, that we want to know with whatever's going in life, that the best thing, the most important thing we, can, we can't forget is, is that we, the best thing we have to offer God is our emptiness. That I would empty of myself so that he can fill me with his presence. That he can fill me with his peace. That he will fill me with his power so that we can then be sent to better represent him. This was not the time for Thomas to have pulled away. And so his absence fuels, you know, from the, the gathering, fuels doubt and it snowballs. And, and I think once Thomas hesitates, ego starts to get into, into things because, he, you know, he wasn't with the group. And he, then they experienced something and he didn't experience it. And it makes it much easier for them when, he, when he, they say, well, he's alive. We saw him and him say, I don't believe it. You may have experienced something, but I'm not there yet. And to hold back. His ego's involved. I may not have been there, and you guys got to experience that. You may have watched that, but, but I didn't. And so what has God got against me? So he needed to be present. He needed to be there. And it's Sunday. Sunday. It's Sunday. Have you caught on? It's Sunday. Sunday is when Jesus showed up. And ever since that day, people have taken Sunday as a chance to celebrate the the newness of creation that happened because Christ rose from the grave on Sunday. There was the rest, the Sabbath, the end of the week, but Sunday is the beginning. Sunday is a new start. And we continue to meet on Sunday because every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate a risen king. And that's always risen, not just one time a year. He needed to have been there. He needed to have but but we can't miss this in the next verse he needed to prioritize being there because when we meet we it, we meet together and we prioritize the, the fellowship and the encouragement and getting into the word and communion and prayer and it's all those things that make the body of Christ an effective, an understanding of who Christ is. And until he returns, we are to be the representation of who he is. And at this point, he needed to have been there. And so what we find is that Thomas's absence and his unbelief is met by the church with persistent persistence and kindness. Thomas hears from the disciples, "We've seen the Lord." And he says, "I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it. In fact, unless I can stick my finger in those nail holes, understand, this is a guy who didn't expect to encounter Jesus because that would be awkward. unless I can stick my finger into those holes. At this point, you'd think the disciples would have said, you're a horrible disciple. Go away. I'm done with you. I'm writing you off. You're off the membership list. But no. No. That's not how they respond. They, they didn't give up on Thomas. They, one translation says, and I, and I love this, in verse 25, it says that the disciples told him and kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. It wasn't a one and done. You, got, you missed the memo, oh well. No, it's, it's that we've seen the Lord the next day. We've seen the Lord the next day. We have seen the Lord. They kept telling them about their experience. It, 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 it was Sunday. It was Monday. It was Tuesday. It was Wednesday. It was Thursday. It was Friday. And Saturday and now. Hey Thomas, tomorrow's Sunday. We're meeting again. You gonna join us? I'll hold your seat. I know wh- which one you tend to like. I heard there's gonna be donuts. We've got coffee. Even some flavoring. Maybe if you like hazelnut, woo! And they keep asking. They keep sharing. They keep telling him because they know their experience is true. And Thomas is declaring, I don't believe you. And yet you get this sense that they keep asking and they keep saying, hey, you're going to be there. We can't give up, church. We can't give up on telling people of the experience that Christ is alive. He is risen. My life is an example. That you can encounter Christ too. It takes a persistent kindness. And and understand, we can't truly love people without keeping Up and telling them what we've seen and what we understand, what we've experienced. It takes persistent loving kindness for us to really touch people that we're meant to reach. How do I know that? Because on verse 26 says that on Sunday, a week later, it was the next week, they gathered again and Thomas was with them. It speaks well of the church. Then when he adamantly said, I'm not going to do it, not going there, I'm not going to believe, they still wanted him to belong. They still wanted him to show up. They didn't give up. The church should be a safe place for people who are in a dip in their journey. It's a place that you can belong. It's a place that you can come to even before you believe or when you have doubts and you have questions. It took persistent kindness to set the stage for Thomas to have an encounter and to receive an invitation. This is all just one week. It's all. One Sunday to the next, but because they were kind and because they kept sharing, he is there. But don't miss this. It's not just on them. Thomas had an encounter with Jesus because he prioritized being there. He came. He showed up. He didn't say, well, I'll phone it in. I'll, I'll, I'll just keep checking in. Thomas showed up. He took the opportunity to be there. Even in the midst of the fear and the doubts and all the other emotions that are going on, Thomas still shows up. And I think the same can happen for us. When when we don't understand is is the perfect time for us to have an encounter with the God that loves us. Scripture tells us, seek me and you will find me. Draw near near to me and I'll draw near to you. And then watch what happens as we intentionally give God time and space in our lives. So Thomas is there. Once again, the doors are locked. And Jesus shows up. And, and he comes in and he says, where were you? I did this once before. Where were you? No. His first words, peace be to you. My peace I give to you. And, and then he, he he looks over at Thomas. He, he gives this word of peace to the skeptic. And he looks at Thomas and goes into this encounter where Jesus invites Thomas to do something. He says, You know, peace, but I heard you want to uh, put your fingers right here. So here I am. And then he says, Stop doubting and believe. Suddenly, Thomas doesn't want to do what he said he wanted to do. Suddenly, Thomas understands that he's changed his tune because he has experienced the Lord who is inviting him into his presence. What Thomas was invited to do is what he thought he needed to do to believe, and now he realizes that he didn't need it after all. In fact, Jesus was enough. In fact, it had been enough to experience what his friends had experienced for him to believe in the resurrection. That would have been enough. He had enough to believe all along. And that's why Jesus goes on to say you may may believe because you see me and, and you could touch me but there will be others that will believe and they will understand and the Spirit will come to fill them because they know it to be true. Sometimes we create objections based on our own preferences of how we think God should work. That we think, you know, well, this is what I understand, and this is the way it should be, and we start things, and we got, God, why don't you just bless what I'm going to do, and we'll talk about it later, but here we we see that Thomas' and Jesus' world views are on a collision course. Thomas thought Jesus was late, but Jesus is just on time. So in his rage and in his desire to control the outcome, he had kind of chose some things that he thought God would need to do to prove. But God doesn't submit himself, and God does not negotiate terms and conditions on anything. He is God. He is God that rules the universe. His sovereignty is complete. He he doesn't need us to to check off whether it is because it is true. And and so God, he, he, he rules in his sovereignty and he has a plan and that includes you and me. And so he chose to go to the cross not because he had to check boxes but because he loved us so much. And he paid the debt for our sin. But it doesn't end there. Because he was buried. Satan thought he had won. But that's not the truth. The truth is the grave is empty. He is king. He is king forever. And he's... He's not asking, are you okay with it? He's simply saying, it is as it is. The task is finished. Life is given. I'm offering forgiveness. I'm offering you my love. And I want to desire and and have an encounter with you wherever you are in your life. Not just once you think you've gotten everything squared away. I'm here now. I want to be with you. And Thomas, who thought God needed to do this and needed to do that, has been called on the carpet for expecting Jesus to jump through hoops. And he realizes that wasn't necessary. But that's not where the story ends. You see, the last part of his journey is a declaration and demonstration. So when Jesus says, I want to give you space, you could touch my wounds. You know, Thomas, that's what you say. Thomas's reply is, my Lord and my God. The same guy who had doubted the resurrection is now the guy who opens his mouth and speaks probably the clearest demonstration of Jesus' divinity ever. He says, my Lord and my God. Not the Lord and the God. It's my Lord and my God. It's personal. I believe. I put my faith in you. I I experience the truth and I submit to you, God. Wherever you need me to go, I will go. That's the declaration when he says that. And that demonstration continually happens through the rest of his life. He, cr- the church history tells us that, that Thomas left a changed man. Previously where he didn't believe, now he's filled with belief. He's filled with the Spirit, and he's sent out, and he goes out preaching, he fulfills Jesus' commands to, to make disciples and to go to the nations. He goes to different countries, and he's, he's spreading the gospel wherever he goes. It's not that Jesus, just Jesus is alive. It's not that just Jesus is risen. It's he's my Lord, he is my God, and he can be yours as well. His life becomes the declaration and it's awesome for us that, to understand that Thomas's story tells us that we're not limited to where we started. We can experience amazing and great breakthroughs even after our biggest failures or doubts. Thomas' story tells us that even and especially when we feel abandoned by God, God is still with us. He is alive and well. So this morning, I want to, everybody hear this. I, I don't know where you are in your journey with Christ. Both here and online, we have people from around the world tuning in. If you feel abandoned by God, that you thought it should go one way and it didn't, Know that God is present even when he feels far. We don't need to wait in order to trust him and believe. Our calling is to declare in faith that he is Lord and that he is present even when he feels far. And the amazing thing is that when we do that, we begin to experience the blessings that come from those who believe even when they don't see. We don't simply know and, and, well, I can't see how God is going to work, you know, so it's just that. No, we don't need to know all the different parts. We've seen enough. We know that he is faithful, even when we don't understand. And to those who already have, by faith, declared your allegiance to Jesus, live into it. It's time to be the church. It's time to, in persistent love and kindness, reach out and share our experience. It's time to not give up on those that we aren't seeing. If they're not here, it's time to go out and share the message. Not, to, not, to, not in blame and accusation, but saying, man, you've got to, you've got to experience this. Our job is to live into the power of the resurrection and to be example of that experience. That we're living into the resurrection, and we don't forget that we have to persistently keep up with those who are searching, and to remember that that and never forget that our role as a follower of Christ is to be a representative. We are ambassadors of Christ. Not asking you to tell you something and say something that you know that you don't quite are not there. Share where you are. Be honest with the experience. And we can still declare, he is not dead. He is alive. Because we've experienced. I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know all these other things, but I can tell you this. Jesus is Alive. Heavenly Father, my Lord and my God, I come before you today in humility and trust God, I I don't always understand all the different things, but my trust and my faith is in you because I know that you love me, that you are faithful to the very end, that you have a plan that you have set in place, that by putting my faith and trust in you, that God One day, I will encounter you face to face. And I will be with the angels singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. For those here today, God, for those with us online, for those going through issues in their life where they're wondering, God, where are you in this? May they know you are near. May they know your presence and your strength, and may they encounter your peace. For those that, are, that have put their faith in you, may God, we be evidence of the joy that is unspeakable because we understand that you are God and we are not. That in freedom, we can encounter and live as a new creation. Because he is not there. He is risen. The grave is empty. And so we say thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.